this is the ID Fanatic podcast coming to you from beautiful Midtown Toronto on Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. The podcast where we talk to real instructional designers for one half hour about their lives, their careers, and how they keep it all together. Last week, I was talking with Australia. Today, I'm reaching several time zones in the other direction to the United Arab Emirates to talk with Reza Paris, currently working as an instructional designer for Tri-C Academy in Dubai. So Reza, thanks for meeting with me. I know it's late your time. It's 10 o'clock in the evening. How was your day? It was actually a busy day today. We have lots of client calls and we're getting ready for a new project actually. But yeah, um, thank you so much for inviting me here. Um, I am glad to be part of the ID Fanatic podcast. Oh, thank you. Now, you've only been with Tri-C Academy since February, is that right? Yeah, that is true. Um, I applied for the job like a couple months ago, and um, it's been quite a journey so far. Mm -hmm. What kind of company is it? It is an e-learning, startup-ish e-learning company um, based here in the UAE. The founders are a prominent family in the Emirates. And then they started, um, you know, due to the pandemic, they started exploring different fields. They started exploring different um, areas where they can, you know, start businesses Mm -hmm. and all. And then they shifted Tricy to online schooling or online learning and that's Uh where i come in now so it was classroom based before yeah they had um it's still it was healthcare before but then they did more practical sessions they usually Mm -hmm. do bls like basic life support or advanced Mm -hmm. life support and all that but Mm -hmm. due to the pandemic things shifted all around and then now they're trying to target even not just the uae but gcc so all the gulf countries so a lot of your career has been in healthcare hasn't it I would say so. Yeah. The previous company was also healthcare. That's my technically my second one, and I stayed there for four years. Before yeah. that was um, Accenture, and then that one we did sales training. Right, and they're a technology, um, global technology yeah. company. They sound like yes. I, I hadn't heard of them before, but I looked at their website. It's it, they seem like they're very big on technology for social change. Is that uh, yeah. an accurate portrayal? Yeah, um, they're more of like ID solutions. So based in the, it was based in the Philippines. And I know they're a global market and they do provide ID solutions, business solutions, and even the BPO industry. Uh-huh. Fine, let's start from the beginning. I yeah. started computer science, right? Um, oh. With that, there was a specialization called instructional systems technology. Right. And that was more of online learning. And I found that really interesting in the course in the college brochure. And then that's how I started technically my um, interest in it. And then I went for that minor or major. And then um, I graduated, I applied for Accenture or no, they actually found me. Mm-hmm. And then later on, um, there was a project in need of an instructional designer, which I didn't know mm-hmm. then I was an instructional designer. Um, they invited me to that. And then that's when I started doing my all the online learning for uh-huh. our sales team. Yeah, I was going to ask. So instructional systems technology, is that actually instructional design or is more like LMS? Um, it was a bit of everything as a college course. So they taught us like uh, different learning theories. They taught us how to build uh, that 
part at that time they called it courseware. Yeah. They also had a little bit of app development, so mobile learning. Mm-hmm. And we did the basics of um instructional videos, how to film them, script them and all that. Oh. Um and because it is a computer science course, we did had a lot of programming which I did not love. And uh-huh. I really fell in love with, you know, visual design and the yeah. teaching aspect of it. And you also, I see you, you attended a couple of graphics design conferences. Did you have a background in that or is that just an interest that you've developed? That was just an interest. I love anything that is visually appealing and pleasing mm-hmm. and anything that has like a minimalist design. So how did you know when you went into the instructional systems design, what made you think that that was uh, an area that you'd be interested in? Because we all come to instructional design in different sort of paths, and mm-hmm. many of us uh, don't do it in university, but you sort of got there, got there Through early. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I that's what I read the brochure. I read the course description, and then it didn't have a lot of you know programming subjects. So that was mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. and it had a lot of things which I found interesting, like mm-hmm. video. It had. Um, multimedia it had um educational theories and all in the course structure and i just really found that interesting i guess it all stemmed back to like my dad he was a computer engineer he's like really great at computers and then my mom she's a preschool teacher Ah. so it i think it stemmed from that where it's like okay i kind of combine what they're both great at and there's this field that's really interesting yeah so you come so, at it. You come at it honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> with my first job, I was, um, how do I say this? I was actually trying to decline that offer. Yeah. For some reason, I didn't want to work there, but then they kept on. Um, other people from other HR just kept on calling me. They didn't know I was already part of the process, and I kept on saying no. Eventually, yes. one day without going through any interviews the offer letter which is really weird yeah it's like okay fine <laughs> let me just sign up for that and then i so, went through the full boot camp of um sap but then the project where i landed was not related at all to sap what's sap so it's like a business tool or like a programming uh, business tool so so the accenture's is you said it's based in the Philippines. I thought it was in. I th- thought I read that it was in Ireland where they started. Ah uh, yes, no. Um, uh, the branch which I worked for was in the, the branch, Philippines. Yeah. That's what I okay. meant. Yeah. And you're originally from the Philippines. Now that is a bit complicated. I was born and raised in Kuwait. Uh huh. And then I stayed there for 16 years before I moved to the Philippines to study college. Mm. where I stayed for another seven years, four years for college, the other three years for work, and then I mm. moved to the UAE. Your family's originally from Kuwait? Or is Kuwait No, they're Filipino, but I was born in Kuwait, but then they don't offer citizenship there, even yeah. though I stayed there almost my whole life. Okay. <laughs> so I still have the yeah, Philippine passport. And what's a blue passport? Um, let's say people from states or uk or even black passports like the stronger passports basically oh and what what influence does that have there is a bit of racism in terms of 
passports, not really the color of your skin, uh-huh. but it was more of the where you're from and your education. So if you had like a Western education, for example, you would be placed higher or your salary, your starting would be a bit higher. Not that I'm complaining because my starting was good. Mm-hmm. But I know there's a lot of people who earn lower than me. But then I also know there's a lot of people with also similar experience who earn higher than me because of that. I see. So it's a systemic sort of thing rather because yeah. it's, it's not overtly based on race, but it's informed by yeah. that perspective. There. But um, well, this is just yeah, my experience. Other people's yeah. experience will be something else. Just putting that disclaimer <laughs> yeah. before that. But then I am definitely happy and I'm definitely learning a lot in my experience. And then, yeah, this is my journey. Yeah. And so far, I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I was looking at your resume. Uh, it has an interesting layout. You list your employment first and then each of your e-learning projects with a bit of explanation. So it's sort mm-hmm. of like a resume and a portfolio in one. Uh, now, a lot of people who are listening to this might be work, you know, interested in resume type things. So how did you arrive at that format and how does it work for you? I believe the main focus usually is different if you are a fresh grad versus you're in your mid-career. Uh-huh. So as a fresh grad, um, I think most employers will be interested in, let's say, your certifications. They'd be interested in where you studied and all that. So that usually, that used to be first, like my education, the conferences which I attended. Because mm-hmm. I don't have that much work experience yet right. to be able to prove that. So throughout the years, when I started applying to different companies, different areas, especially being in another country, they're really more focused on your experience and what you can do. So I shifted my um, resume from being educational attainment focused to my experience. At that time, I didn't know about portfolios when I created my resume. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking of what would really interest my future employer would be the programs which I've developed or the courses I've developed. But then I just Mm -hmm. kept it there, just like a short description. And then during the interviews, we can always like, oh, this sales training is interesting. Oh, this healthcare thing is interesting. What did you do there? Mm-hmm. So it became also like a talking point there. And then I think it would also help with, you know, the ATS or whatever Google search because all the keywords are there already. Good point, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the first projects on there has an interesting name, the Booby Project, which you describe <laughs> as a thesis rather than a course. Uh, yeah. First of all, did you come up with the title? Yes, yes, I did. That project was really more of breast cancer awareness. Yeah. So it was called the Booby Project. We helped local government health workers who, one, they don't know English that much. They mm-hmm. speak in Tagalog or their own dialect. And then they um, don't have a background in healthcare, like a mm-hmm. lot. Like they didn't study college, basically. Yes. So they're just like volunteers. But then what they do in the government is they get those volunteers and then they send them to the different houses to show them about, to talk about breast cancer awareness and then how do you do a self-assessment. Really? So this project was a tool for the facilitators to teach those health workers. We did a lot of videos because we showed them different aspects on how to do it on yourself, how to do the self-assessment on yourself, how to do the self-assessment on others, 
And then yeah. how do you talk to other people about it? It was in Tagalog so that it is easily understood. Our challenge there was how do we explain something as technical as that in another language and to make it simple for them to understand. So it wasn't just about giving them information they need now, but then how to really go through the full process of teaching other people. How long did it take? Um, let's say six months or a yeah. bit more than that. Mm-hmm. So that was done for a uh, public health charity, right? The Philippine yeah. Foundation for Breast Cancer? Yeah. Now, it's interesting. I saw recently, I got an email from uh, Adobe about their Learning Design Awards. One of mm-hmm. them this year was called Getting to Know Your Boobs. And oh. it was developed <laughs> developed by Avon and a UK mm-hmm. firm called Team OnClick. And wow. then I know that Dove, the soap brand, is uh, also has some breast cancer awareness kind of commercials Mm -hmm. and i was wondering just because you worked in this on this project um do you have any uh thoughts about corporations and marketing departments getting involved in this kind of messaging whether that's a good thing or a bad thing um i think i'm all for spreading the news no matter what and then i prefer authenticity so if they spread the news and they're authentic about it i mean spreading awareness that is the best thing for the company or for the charity or their organization as long as it reaches the people it's intended to then Mm -hmm. yeah it's going to be a positive reaction for me so tell me about how you ended up in dubai i really wanted to go to kuwait because my family is there my mom is there so i signed up for all these job ads whether it was knocker golf or bait so these are like the local job seeking platforms here in the middle east so i signed Mm -hmm. up for all of them um then all of a sudden one day i got a call from this recruiter based in dubai she said hi is this reza i was like yeah i have a position available are you open to it and then that's it that's all she said Uh or something like that so i it's like when I saw my phone, it's like, why is Dubai calling me or something? And then they that's all they said. They didn't give me the position title. They didn't give me the um, mm-hmm. company yet. So it's like, no, I thought it was a scam, <laughs> honestly, because <laughs> no details at all. Right. So it's like I said no at first. Um, but they called me the next week or the following days, and then they said, wait, 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 before you say no, let me explain to you the position. Let me explain to you <laughs> who we are. <laughs> so they said they're looking for a learning technologist. They want to have like videos done. They want to have like this whole e-learning, micro-learning, all gamification, everything that I really wanted to explore and learn at that time. Mm-hmm. They had it. And then that, plus, of course, because it is in the UAE, the salary was higher. And then, like, who wouldn't want to go to another country and just explore the world, right? So, definitely where, where is the UAE in relation to Kuwait, Kuwait? It is an hour or an hour and a half plane ride away from here. Oh, okay. That's great. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Compared so, yeah. to, I think, nine to ten hours going to the Philippines. Yeah. So you have the best of both worlds, yeah. Relatively closer. Plus, um, since my mom is a teacher, she, you know, has uh, long holidays, let's say summer vacation, winter break, Uh all that. So she comes over every now and then. At least pre-pandemic times. Do you have a a pool at your disposal? 
Yes, we do. <laughs> it's in the roof. I mean, and it is beautiful upstairs. They had like tr- not trees, but like you know bushes. It really feels uh-huh. like I'm in a hotel. <laughs> So your career is kind of unusual. Both your main long-term employers came to you. It sounds like they found you and you didn't even seek them out. Yeah, I think all of them actually, (laughs) which I am lucky for some reason. I did something right during the pandemic or before that. I started feeling that I reached a plateau in my career where I really wanted to learn new things. But then in my current position, I was not. Mm -hmm. And um being a learning technologist or instructional designer, usually you are a team of one person. You might have a team of others, but then usually in e-learning, it's just like this one person, at least for me. I felt alone, even though I know I had a big team of L&D professionals, but I was the only one doing the online learning. Yeah. So I started exploring other opportunities, but none of them came. And I was still kind of lucky because I was exploring before the pandemic started. And I reached, like, let's say, final interviews. But then none of them pushed through, and I still stayed in my current job. It was healthcare, and I was on online learning. All of a sudden, the pandemic happened. And then I was still in the best position or one of the best places to be in because um, everyone needed healthcare or needs healthcare now so i was one of the few who are lucky to be able to say i didn't lose my job or i didn't get any salary deductions and then now during the pandemic um i took that opportunity since at one point we were all in lockdown i was just stuck at home so now that i had all these time to improve myself and to search i started i started using my linkedin and then i only found out the power of community through there and then i started yeah. connecting with um let's say john hinchcliffe the one who started the global lnd meetups i connected with idol courses i connected with other e-learning professionals i connected with freelancers i saw the videos of devlin kath and all that right i started finding out that okay let me try freelancing and then i started getting more projects where i got to explore different technologies i got to meet new people um and then with that i created my portfolio i started making my linkedin profile like you know optimized to make sure that i have all the keywords i have everything yeah um whatever person needs to find me and I think because of all that, now my current company found me. So there's a lot of work that goes into getting found. Yeah. Um, one of the best pieces of information which I learned about LinkedIn is basically LinkedIn is a search engine, right? Yeah. So as long as you make your um, things searchable, you put all the right keywords, you put you be active so you'll go higher on the algorithm. Yeah. That I think that all really helped. And your latest venture is a crowdcast, The Learning Memo. So congratulations. You've had one episode. Mm -hmm. How did you decide Mm -hmm. to start this? Through my search on instructional designers across the globe, I didn't really find anyone who had experience here in the UAE or experience as a, what is it like being an Asian somewhere else? Because there are a lot of companies or opportunities where as an Asian, my salary isn't as high as, let's say, people with a blue passport. And um, the 
for example, the rates which I offer, if I go to, if let's say people from here or people from this area of the region, they need an instructional designer and they look for me, they want me to charge, let's say, $12 an hour, $15 an hour, because I know they know there's a lot of people who charge that in this area. Uh-huh. But if you go that to, if you do that to someone in the States, for example, they can charge a minimum of 50 so um things like that i really wanted to know what it was like in other countries then lnd here for example is still new and emerging e-learning here is just like videos people talking there's not that much gamification there's still lots of people doing that don't get me wrong but then it's not as rampant as um Mm. other countries so Yeah, I was just curious about other people's personal experience. So I posted that on LinkedIn, and then lots of people were interested in that perspective. So it started with that. Then once I started my webinar, the first one, um, most of the people who attended were e-learning designers or e-learning developers, and they were interested in the practical tips in gamification. That was my first webinar. So now... um, I am trying to increase the diversity of the online space in LND, you know, with whole equality, inclusive, mm-hmm. is that making things inclusive while sharing practical tips on like best practices or different topics. So that would be like a niche, which I'm trying to discover myself. All right. So the inclusive aspect of it is just having all different types of people with yeah. different ethnic backgrounds and such. There involved yeah. well i'm doing the same thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i, I can except see that, not yeah. such not such an emphasis on the tips though <laughs> okay do you enjoy living in dubai yeah of course it is um aside from the weather the country is amazing they are really into tech so there's lots of um weird things which you would see there is a smart robot oh. that goes around checks people there are drones if you need like an advertisement there are (laughs) a lot of cool things here aside from you know 50 degrees celsius weather or Uh it's pretty cool can you find filipino foods there yeah it's pretty um diverse here you would see a lot of nationalities i think the main um purpose here used to be tourism so there's a lot of different cuisines available hmm. and how would you describe hmm. your work-life balance or is work your life um, right now <laughs> i'm trying my best to keep it balanced <laughs> but um the company is supportive of work-life balance they are definitely pro-employees which i'm so thankful for not a lot of um, people have the opportunity to work for such a cool company it's a bit difficult now because I'm trying to also freelance and I'm also trying to like start my own thing, not just my fu- my full-time job. Right. And my final question, what do you do to stay sane when you're not working? I just do what interests me, whether that's playing games, either a video game, board game, card games, or um something that takes my mind off things so just watching light series like friends for example or Mm -hmm. watching light movies like disney things 
that's the two-minute warning. To wrap up, I'd like to ask 10 questions from the Actor Studio TV show, where they used to interview famous alumni from the Actor Studio in New York. Uh, uh, so the idea here is they're quick questions. You have quick answers that just uh, the first thing that pops into your mind. All right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. <laughs> All right, let's go. Sure. Number one, what is your favorite word? What is my favorite word? For now, I think authenticity. Mm. What is your least favorite word? Um, least favorite word would be dishonesty. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? What turns me on? Anything visually appealing and clean uh, i guess anything that's like minimalist with high quality turns what, me on what turns you off amazing what turns you off um what turns me off would be i guess loud colors like i don't like anything bright and i guess disorganized information although as an instructional designer, that is kind of like an oxymoron. What's your favorite curse word? I do not have one. <laughs> um, what sound or noise do you love? Sound or noise? Uh, I love the violin sound. You know, I, I was on uh, I was on Reddit the other day, and there was this mm -hmm. guy uh, taking requests. He was playing the violin. Mm -hmm. And people were mm -hmm. requesting songs. He would play the song and then he would... It looked like he was improvising, but maybe some of them he'd already, you know, he'd already figured he out a track to, but he was doing amazing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I'll yeah, give you his wow. name because maybe you can look him up. It's It was called Philip... Here it is because I opened his... Philip Bowen. Oh, B -O I think I've seen B-O-W-E-N. Yeah, no, he's really cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, <laughs> he said violin. Okay. So. That's my, that's my, that's the ultimate instrument I want to learn how to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, what sound or noise do you hate? What sound or noise do I hate? Um, loud babies screaming. <clears throat> I don't know. I just panicked. <laughs> What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, anything to do with animals. And what profession would you not like to do? Um, I guess anything to do with um, graves or dead bodies. <laughs> I went really right. dark there. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 probably for a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> all right, and the, the last question is uh, shows its uh, sort of Judeo-Christian origins. I call it the heaven question. Uh, it mm -hmm. says, "If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?" Uh, I'm proud of you. Very good. Well, thank you very much. This has been uh, very interesting. You've had uh, an interesting career so far. It's uh, pra you. practically just begun, but <laughs> it's been... <laughs>
It's been very so interesting so far. It sounds me. like you're a lot of fun. I'd like to say thanks again to my guest, Reza Paris, currently working in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. The ID Fanatic drops every Tuesday at noon Eastern time. I hope you're inspired to subscribe and write a review. Good, bad, or ugly, let me know what you think. That link again is kite.link slash theidfanatic. You can contact me, Mitch Moldovsky, on LinkedIn, and I hope that you and yours have a totally awesome week. Bye, bye, bye.